a woman heads off to the hospital to have her asthma treated. Instead, she becomes a medical freak. Then, what would you do if you were out running around with your dog in the middle of nowhere and he fell off a cliff? Okay, that, that, has, a, that has a good ending. That's just not the end of the story. Don't want to give it away, but the dog does not continue a descent down 60 feet of cliffside. The dog is okay. And then we take a look at the story of a young mother and her son trying to evade alien abduction. But it turns out, they'll get you no matter what. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. Hope you guys have some fun plans for this fun upcoming weekend. First off, let's give a shout-out to one of our newest Patreon supporters coming into Dead Rabbit Command with a big old smile on their face. It's Lansing Loki. Everyone give a round of applause to Lansing Loki. I'm laughing because I imagine it's Loki just getting just getting speared in the side. But I'm sure that's not what the name means. Lansing, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon. That's fine, too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. And also, don't forget, guys, I have my TikTok, at Dead Rabbit Radio. On TikTok now, we're doing a lot of cool stuff there as well. So I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get them pushed out to Instagram and Twitter and things like that. Um, I'll probably end up getting them on YouTube as well. I just don't want to pollute my YouTube channel. I don't want to give you guys too much content. That makes sense. Um, you're like you're shaking your head at like, no, Jason, it doesn't. We want all the content. Lansing, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to Pirano, Italy. And I wanted to give a shout out to a Twitter user at Druthers CA, longtime listener of Dead Rabbit Radio, veteran of the Dead Rabbit Minecraft server. And they actually recommended this story to me. I, I, this is an edit in. I forgot to give them credit. I didn't see it in my notes. But at Druthers CA recommended this story. Thank you so much for sending this over to me, bro. It's March 8th, 1934, and we're at the Pirano Hospital. So there's a bunch of like doctors walking around and nurses, and they're like looking at clipboards and stuff like that. And this woman gets wheeled in, and her name is her name is Anna Morano. And she walks in. When I said she was wheeled in, I didn't actually say as she traveled, she's hovering around. Anna Monaro, 42-year-old mother of 12. That's quite the feat. Mother of 12 and also an asthma patient. That's nothing to brag about. That's that's not a feat. That's a disability. She's an asthma patient and she's in the hospital because of her asthma. And because she has 12 kids and she just needed a break. She's like, oh no, I'm getting sick again as the dishes are piling up. She's like, oh, my asthma, I can't breathe. So she's out of the hospital and all the doctors are like, oh, it's just another asthma patient. You know, in 1934, I'm sure asthma was like closer to a death sentence. Today, it's just a minor inconvenience. If you're like in a zombie movie and you have asthma, you have to spend like 15 minutes of the zombie movie getting just one inhaler. And that'll last you the rest of the apocalypse. All these movies are like, oh, we got to go get the inhaler. Anyways, in 1934, you didn't have to worry about zombies. It could kill you. She's in the hospital. She's having asthma. And the doctors and the nurses are just kind of walking around. And they notice something when they walk by her room. They're like, what? Now, they don't hear anything. They don't hear anything. But that was a sound effect since it's a podcast. As they're walking by her room, they would see these bright blue flashes. 
in the darkness of her room. And they're like, well, that's super weird. We, we normally just have red flashes here. They go in and they see her laying there. She's wide awake. And bright blue flashes are emanating from her chest. The doctor's like, what is that? And she's like, dude, I was hoping you could tell me because honestly, I'm trying to sleep. And this woke me up. It's so bright, it woke me up. And the doctors could tell, like, she was covered up in blankets. And it, they could see, even through the blankets, these bright blue flashes. It would glow for about three seconds, super, super bright. And sometimes they would have different shapes. Sometimes they would see, like, a circle. Sometimes it would be a cone. Sometimes it would be, like, different beams. But no matter what the shape were, they were all neon blue. Neon blue's pretty dope. If you're going to have any beam of light shoot out of your body, it should be neon. They're testing. This is something, it's not like it just happened one night and some guy on Reddit said, one day, one day back in 1934, when I was a nurse, I saw this. This was an ongoing thing. This was in the newspaper. And doctors were checking her out and they could tell that she was relatively healthy. I mean, other than being hospitalized for the asthma. But when her body started shooting out these beams of light, her breathing and her heart rate doubled. And afterwards, she appeared exhausted. She said, they asked her, so is this normal? I mean, we know it's not normal for human beings to project light. Human beams, get it? He's all nudging the other doctor. The doctor's like trying to write stuff on the clipboard. He's like, stop it. You're messing up my handwriting. We know that human beings can't shoot out beams, but... Do you ever do this at home? And she goes, no, I've never, ever... I mean, I think I would have went to the doctor earlier if I was having beams shoot out of my body. She said, no, I've never had this happen before. It's only since I've been here. But she does remember something. She does remember something. Th this is what's weird. So if doctors say, hey, has this ever happened to you before? She said, no. But then she goes, but now that you mention it, I don't glow when I'm home, but I have a vague memory when I was seven years old traveling to the local doctor. I mean, if she was 42 in 1934, she would have been seven years old. <laughs> she would have been seven years old a long time before that. So we're talking like late 1800s. She remembers traveling to the local doctor and she's just a kid. She's just seven. So she doesn't really know what's going on. And she remembers a conversation between her doctor and her parents and the conversation was basically... <laughs> you think you would have mentioned this the first time the doctor goes, this is this happening at home. She goes, I remember a conversation as a child, my parents and my doctor, talking about me glowing. But I didn't really think anything of it at the time. I don't really remember what they were, the context was. And then I've gone all these years, I've gone, let Jason do math, 35 years without glowing, and now here I am, I'm glowing again. Scientists, doctors, and clergy from all over the region came to visit her. They all said the same thing. They said, Mamma Mia! This is not possible. But it was. People are seeing her glow. So, this news gets out that she has this weird... Would you even classify it as an ability? It's like almost like a passive... Like, there's no functional use to it. It's not like you would ever be able to use it in a fight or even use it to, like, find your keys at night. Because the, the bright lights are so sudden and they're gone quickly. It's like, what would it be? It would just be kind of this weird thing. But the doctors are, like, letting everyone know. They're totally gossiping about this woman's medical record. This is the reason why HIPAA laws were created, because of this case. Scientists and doctors and even clergymen from all over the region were coming to visit good old Anna. 
And she also says, okay, so the glowing thing I'm not really familiar with. However, I do have the ability to see ghosts in the hospital, so there's an awful lot of them. She also said, these, these are powers, right? Ability to see ghosts, that's pretty cool. But she also said she could see battles thousands of miles away while they were happening. And considering she lived, considering she lived in the late 1800s to the at this point 1934, there was an awful lot of battles for her to watch, be like her own private Netflix. But she can't change the channel, and real humans are dying. These bright lights went on for about three weeks while she was in the hospital, and eventually they just stopped. And the doctors were like, "Okay, okay, you've been cured. Your asthma is just something you're gonna have to deal with, but we wanted to keep you around and take a look at these lights." Now, Anna was in this hospital the whole time, and they didn't have social media. They, don't really, think they really had media. They just had newspapers. They didn't have, like, television or something like that. I don't think they brought in a big radio so she could listen to, you know, like, Harry Carver's trumpet noise, whatever, band. So she gets out of the hospital, and she learns very quickly she's a celebrity. Everyone, everyone knows that her boobs glow blue. And that really disturbed her. That really, really kind of freaked her out because she starts getting hounded. She gets starts start getting hounded by Blue Boob Brigade. Like you would want, you on the one hand you want to respect people's privacy, but on the other hand, when someone has the ability to shoot beams out of their body, you kind of want to see what's up. But she kind of disappeared into history after that. We really don't have any news of if this ability returned or how long she lived after that. At least I couldn't find. But here is the interesting footnote to this whole thing. If glowing human bodies wasn't enough for you, apparently there is film of this happening. Someone broke out an old film camera. Back then it was a brand new film camera. They're like, whoa, state of the art. And they recorded this on film. Her glowing boobs. But it's lost media at this point. No one knows where it is, who has it, how long it lasted. It was Italy pre-World War II, so it could have gotten bombed to pieces. could be sitting in some doctor's private collection. It could be in an attic somewhere. Just forgotten. But yeah, lost media. There is film footage of Anna Monaro with glowing blue boobs. But it's probably black and white, so... But I can't hear my Jason. You can clearly see the woman's glowing. You're going to complain that it's not neon blue? The woman's obviously glowing. But anyway, so that is a really cool story. I've been wanting to tell that one. I actually started that one twice last season and wasn't able to get around for it. And I got that story from the Fordian map. That's something we like to refer to on this podcast. I put that in the show notes if you want to look more at the weird events around the world. Lansing, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the oars to the Dead Rabbit rowboat. We are leaving behind Italy. We are going to row all the way out to Ontario, Canada. Splash. Splash. We row all the way out to Ontario, Canada. Specifically, we're headed to Algonquin Park in Ontario, Canada. It's like a nature reserve. And we're walking around. We got our walking sticks. We're singing a jaunty tune. We're scared there's a bunch of bird watchers coming. They're like, dude, quit singing. You're making all the blue jays go away. They're jealous of your amazing singing voice. We're walking through. We're being even louder now because we know it's messing with the bird watchers. The reason why (laughs) we're really not here to be bullies. The reason why we're here is I came across a story recently Let's say this guy's name is Marcus. We don't have an actual name for him or a date or a time or any of the stuff that makes this story legitimate. We don't have that. But 
Let's talk about it. I think this is an interesting story. Marcus is on a family trip with the family dog. He's a little boy at this time. He has an older brother. He has his parents. And then little Marcus is walking. And their dog, let's call him Timmy, is a runner. <laughs> running around, running around. And they'd walk. Marcus would say Timmy would run like all the way to the end of the trail, <laughs> all the way, it's like at the end of the Appalachian Trail. No, he'd like run down the trail, and then he'd run back and run past the family and run back down to where they were and just kind of run around and kind of jump and just a really fun, exciting running dog. But at one point, as they're walking to the trail, the trail actually stops, and there's like a lookout where you can sit and you can go, whoa, dude, look at all these trees. Well, that, that was worth a three-hour hike. I guess we're going to go back home. Anyways, people, people do that. People find enjoyment in that. Whoa, look at this view. They get to the edge. There's this lookout, and Marcus and his brother are standing on the edge going, whoa, look at all these trees. Whoa, there's another one. Dude, if I turn left, will there be slightly more trees over here? There are. And Timmy has run all the way back. It's hanging out, running down the trail. And Timmy sees the two boys standing at the lookout and runs <laughs> as fast as it can. And Timmy runs. <laughs> Timmy doesn't realize that the trail ends and it's just a spot to take in nature. Timmy runs off of the trail. It's running so fast it runs off of the trail and falls off a cliff. And it's a 60-foot drop. And the kids are freaking out, right? Because they assume that they're looking at all these trees. They assume they're going to look down and they're going to see that Timmy is not in the best shape. But out of just a weird set of circumstances, as they look down, Timmy found the smallest ledge possible. It was actually like a Timmy-sized little ledge that you wouldn't even see if you were looking down. And the dog landed right on that. He fell about 10 feet and landed on this ledge. And then after that, there's another 50-foot drop now to the bottom of this cliff. And the boys are like, oh, great. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? Because our dog, 10 feet is still, on a cliff face, is still pretty far. And there's a dog at the bottom of it. How are you going to get this dog up? And Timmy is perfectly, like, motionless. Timmy knows, <laughs> I messed up. I shouldn't have been running so much. I'm never running again. Perfectly motionless on this ledge. Marcus says, what happens then? It's like, out of the blue. A man appears on the trail behind them, and he has full climbing gear on. He, we, didn't, we didn't see him walking before. He's walking down the trail, he has full climbing gear on. And this area, he says that he's in, he goes, this specific area didn't have a lot of climbing locations, but here a guy was, he was walking by, full climbing gear. He, be, he walks up to the lookout, looks down, sees the dog, begins setting up his gear, and repels down, grabs the dog, and climbs it back up. And then walks away. And he said the man didn't even stay long enough to give his name. He just rescued the dog and continued on his journey down the trail. An interesting story. Now you go, Jason. The obvious answer is that everything was there. That there was a guy climbing and he saw a dog. And he went down. And he was quite rude. He doesn't like giving his name. Maybe he's a fugitive from the law. And that's obviously yeah, that's the most likely answer. But it's also weird. It gives you that sense of being in the right place at the right time. And let's put on our conspiracy caps here for a second. What if you're not there at the right place at the right time? 
Like, you're just not. So time makes you be there. You're like, Jason, it's the same thing. No, no, listen up. So what? listen to me. Listen to me. Don't shut off the podcast. Don't shut off the podcast. I'm ordering you not to. Imagine that this trail was here and the dog ran off. First off, the dog landing on the 10-foot ledge is... The ledge that was only 10 feet down is a miracle in and of itself. Because this dog did seem quite stupid. But once it landed on the ledge, it realized the predicament it was in. But you have this you have this situation where you have this dog that's on this 10-foot ledge. They're in the middle of nowhere. And how are they going to get this dog? And so then time goes, we need a person here. And then a man... I'm not saying the man magically appeared. I'm saying the man existed in a different universe. Because <laughs> that's more believable, right? I'm saying, what if there was a man walking with climbing gear around Algonquin Park and then uh, somewhere where he was going to go climbing and then someone else, somewhere else, a dog falls off a cliff and then reality takes that man and puts him there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what if reality works like that? So when we think we're in the right place at the right time, we're actually in the wrong place at the right time but then reality crumples, so that's what puts us in the right place at the right time. It's not some sort of dumb luck. It's not even fate. It's actually a correction in the universe. I was actually sitting at home eating Cheerios and watching Dream on YouTube, and then I'm pulling someone out of a burning car. And it's not like I think, wow, that's weird. I thought it was just eating Cheerios and watching Dream on YouTube. Time completely changed. So that more that's what I was doing. But then once this car was going to get in this accident, time goes, no, 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 no. And then it made me wake up a little bit earlier and go, you know what? I should go out for a jog. <laughs> Something that I've never said throughout my 44 years of living. But this day I will go for a jog. And I'm jogging. And I find a quarter on the ground and it's rolling. And I keep chasing it. I keep chasing it because I'm Scrooge McDuck. And then... Then a car gets in an accident. A car gets in an accident because it's trying to avoid me grabbing this quarter. And they're like, oh, no, look out. Scrooge McDuck. And they crash. And then I pull the guy out of the burning vehicle. You know what I mean? Like, what if that's it? You're like, Jason, you got all that from the story of a man. The story is about a man who rescued a dog. And the only thing that's weird about it is that he's in an area that doesn't have a lot of climbing. And he didn't give his name. There's really, to be fair, I got this story from a nom alien. It is a paranormal website. I didn't find this in like Reader's Digest. I didn't find this on some normie grandpa website and go, that sounds paranormal. I did find it on a paranormal website. But I guess really the only thing that's paranormal about it is that he was in an area that's not known for climbing and he didn't give his name. But anyway, so I do think it's an I do think it's an interesting story, but it might be less interesting than I made it out to be. Are you guys glad? Are you guys glad this podcast is back in production? This podcast is is it's like pure chaos sometimes, but I I I very much enjoy it. Okay, Lansing Loki, we are leaving behind Canada. We're leaving by Algonquin Park. We are headed out to... I'm going to touch the keys of the Carboner Copter. We are headed out to Kiev in the Ukraine. As we're flying out there, I want to give you guys a really quick Dead Rabbit Recommends. I encourage you guys to watch this movie this weekend. It's 
a work of storytelling art. It's a werewolf movie. I'm not a huge fan of werewolves. It's a newer movie. It's called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. And it is written, directed, and starring Jim Cummings. That's always a bad sign. I'm going to say Jim Cummings is a bad sign. But whenever you have a movie that's written, directed, and starring, it's usually a bad sign. But uh, Jim Cummings expertly navigates this story. This is not a promo read. This is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. It's a standard creature feature. But it starts off as a horror movie. Maybe 15 minutes into it, it becomes a horror comedy movie. A laugh-out-loud comedy. And then, maybe 20 minutes after that, it becomes a horror comedy drama. Like, hard drama. And Jim Cummings expertly balances all three. Horror comedy alone is very hard to pull off. Like You can really list the good ones on one hand. But Jim Cummings in The Wolf of Snow Hollow is expertly able to balance these three things. And we're talking dark horror. What this werewolf is doing to the women of this town is disgusting. And what's interesting is they don't show it, but they talk about it, which makes it even worse. Because then your imagination fills in the gaps. And then the next scene, you're laughing out loud. Expertly balanced. It's, it, I recommend it to anyone who's into creature features. It's one of the best movies I've seen of that genre. And I recommend it to anyone who has a love of film and a love of storytelling. Because this is art. This is a movie that I watch and I go, I could write for 100 years. I would never be able to tell a story like this. The story itself is a genre piece about werewolves. But the craft behind it is so good. Really good. It's available on Amazon for a couple bucks. You can rent it. The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Dead Rabbit recommends The Wolf of Snow Hollow. You won't be disappointed. Lansing Loki is piloting the Scarbiner Copter over Kiev, Ukraine. The year is 1991. It's a little after midnight. <laughs> Natalia Urbano is asleep with her nine-year-old son in the bedroom. She wakes up. There's a little night light. In her bedroom, just a dim light that allows her son to get to sleep easier. Her bedroom door opens up to a long hallway that's in their house. And she wakes up and she's looking down the hallway. And she sees a new light. Not just the dull night light coming from her own room. She sees a fireball roll down her hallway. And then another one. And then a third. She thinks immediately, ball lightning. I mean, she's not like, oh, boring, just ball lightning. Just things that can kill me when they touch me. Lame. It still alarms her, but she's not thinking anything paranormal. She thinks what she's seen is ball lightning. But then she looks down the hallway and she sees there's a man standing there. He's a man wearing a gray, well-tailored suit, necktie, glasses, typical bureaucrat, stereotypical man in a suit image. But he is the one who is throwing the fireballs down the hallway. That's not something you associate with any businessman. The stranger 
approaches her with a grin and says, Well, so, let's go. And she begins to freak out. Not just because there's a strange in her house, not just because he has the ability to throw fireballs at her, but she realizes what's going on. She's about to get abducted. She's about to get taken away. And she begins to plead with this figure, I'm not ready to go yet. I'm not ready to go. And she's clutching her little son, and she doesn't want to leave. She doesn't know where she's going. Is this a harbinger of death? Is this some sort of alien encounter or interdimensional entity? She doesn't know. Has she not paid her taxes? And this is the way they handle that in the Ukraine? She doesn't know. But then the man in the gray suit simply says, Okay. I'll take him. He motions towards her son. She freaks out and begins holding her son tightly. No, I won't let him go. Not without me. Is her exact quote. I won't let him go, not without me. Suddenly, she, Natalia, is standing outside of her own body. So she is now, for all intents and purposes, astrally projecting. She's standing in her room, and she sees herself clutching her nine-year-old son, and the man in the gray suit standing in the bedroom. And she is a third party to what is going on. Watching her own body, watching her own body hold her son, she then begins to see a mirror image of that. What she sees is her... She is being split in two. She is standing there and she is watching her own body, Natalia, holding her son. And that image is being, it's like pulling Taffy apart. She can see Natalia and the child rise out of Natalia and the child. There are now two duplicate images of her and her kid. But one is floating out of the other. And Natalia's soul is standing elsewhere in the room. She's seen herself and her child being ripped apart like taffy, but then both pieces of taffy become mirror images of each other. Then the man in the gray suit simply goes, Okay, next time. Shrugs his shoulders. The next thing Natalia knows, she is clutching her son tightly, laying in bed. The only illumination coming from her child's nightlight. I got that story from ThinkAboutItDocs.com. They got it from 40 and Times Magazine. It's one of the best resources. This podcast would not exist without 40 and Times. I read that magazine growing up. It's pricey. It's it's from Britain. I mean, if, it's, if you're in Britain, it's cheap. If you're in Europe, it's relatively cheap. But anywhere else, it is really worth the subscription price. Fascinating story. And when I first read it, I had an idea of what was going on. And it's the same idea. Because I read the story a while ago. It's actually been sitting in my research folder for a while. And when I just read it again the other day, I said, yeah, I still get the same feeling from this story. The man in the gray suit shows up and he's there to take Natalia. And she refuses, and then he takes goes to take the son, and she says, not without me. She is then removed from her physical body, her spirit is, and then she sees herself get duplicated and pulled apart. 
My feeling, and you, we'll get to we'll get to uh, the rebuttal on this in a second. But my feeling is, she was abducted, and her son was abducted, but not. I'm trying to think how to say. It. So I think she was duplicated, but it's not like a clone. It's we as human beings have such ideas of the singular. I think it is hard for us to understand stuff like alternate realities because we think which one's the real us. I know even when they do like television shows, I know in Star Trek Voyager, spoiler alert, but Harry Kim, this character got killed off in the main universe, but then the Harry Kim from an alternate universe in the same episode came to our universe or the Voyager universe. People got really upset about that. And they said it's not the real Harry Kim. And I, first thing, (laughs) none of these characters are real, right? They're fictional, but... It is the real Harry Kim. It is. It is the real Harry Kim. We have a hard time thinking about if in Avengers Infinity War, if Spider-Man got snapped away, if Peter Parker got snapped away and then Endgame, it turned out, no, he really did get snapped away. The new Spider-Man is simply from an alternate universe where Tony Stark got snapped away and not Spider-Man. People would have been really upset. Even though it's the same character simply from an alternate... That's what I thought they were going to do. I thought the snap actually happened. But they were going to combine with the universe where the snap killed off the other 50%. I thought that would have been cool. But people would have been really upset about that. Because they would have said it's not the real characters. Da, 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 da. We have a hard time dealing with stuff when we think of singular stuff as multiples. It really kind of breaks the human brain. What I'm saying is she's not cloned. And Kevin Feige, if you like my ideas, you can hit me up. I got a ton of new Marvel ideas as well. But her soul was removed from her body and she could see what was happening. And her soul being removed from her body, Natalia here, might have just been a byproduct of this. You had Natalia 1 and her son number 1. And as they're getting pulled apart, you have Natalia 2 and son number 2. But once they're completely separated, you have Natalia 1 and you have Natalia 1. And then you have the soul in the room who is also Natalia 1. And Natalia gets abducted, but Natalia is also remains on Earth. Because that's what the gray-suited man wanted. Now, you could say he does go, okay, next time, and, and everything returns to quote-unquote normal when you have a guy throwing fireballs at you, but... What is next time to a creature that has this sort of ability? Did he decide to give up and not abduct her? even though he's going through all this effort of separating these people into different forms? Or was the phrase, okay, next time, a way for her to explain what would happen next, going back to normal? My hypothesis is that Natalia and her son were not only abducted that day, they are still abducted. And this may go for every alien abduction story. The stories where the people go on these ships and they meet these aliens, and then they say, well, then the aliens dropped me off. Did they? Or do you remember being dropped off? You are dropped off. But at the same time, not your clone, not your double, you are still being experimented on, on some alien starship. Or your meat have already been fed to some exotic alien creature on another world. I mean, hopefully that hasn't happened. But how do we know that the people who are getting off the ships, the people who are having these interactions with aliens... We know that they're having that because they're telling us these stories, but who's to say that they're also not still trapped on these ships? 
I mean, it, it, it's obviously really kind of a heady thing to think about, but this is the first story that I can recall where we can see the person being split during an abduction encounter. We've had people interact with clones, but what was up with these bodies being split? My hypothesis was the man in the gray suit took what he wanted and also left what needed to be left. And I'd say 99.9% .9 of the time this stuff happens and it's only because Natalia, for whatever reason, I think this was probably a bug, not a feature, she stepped outside of her body and she saw what was going on. So is it possible that all alien encounters end poorly? All of them. But because reality is split, not even reality split, because the abductee is split and is left on Earth, we hear the story, oh no, they just want to talk about peace and love and things like that. But in reality, they are trapped. They are abducted. They are experimented on. They are tortured. They are analyzed. They are psychologically abused for as long as the aliens can keep them alive. And you can't say that person's the other and the person on Earth is the real one or the person on Earth is the real one. and that They're the same person. Now, it's possible that not every alien encounter ends like this. This may be the bug, not the feature. Most alien encounters may be peaceful. But if even one encounter could make it seem like you got away, but in reality you are imprisoned, if only one of those encounters are true, that should be horrifying enough. So as you go to sleep tonight you might want to leave on your own nightlight. But one that gives off a little more illumination than the one Natalia's son had. Because who knows what is standing at the end of your long, dark hallway. It may be nothing. It may simply be your imagination. Or there may be an alien invader at the end of that hallway, ready to prove to you that reality is what they command it to be. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.